and stuff. The podcast where we try to talk about serious subjects without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm your hostess and sacred clown, Sampriti. Thank you for being here. Oh, welcome back, star nerds. Um, This is going to be our third and final um, chapter in our retrograde mini-series. And this has taken me a lot more than three weeks to release to all of you um, the whole series because uh, I am engaging in this series, creating it during just another epic season of literally, almost, literally everything being in retrograde. Um, so thank you for your patience. Thank you for the 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 patience in between the the episodes themselves as I kind of take a beat and and go at my own pace at um, assimilating this information and communicating it. I appreciate you. And if you love the show and you want to appreciate the show in a very literal material way, you can head on over to Patreon. We have our very own Astrology and Stuff podcast Patreon page. Um, There are two options um, for two tiers in which you can engage to support the show. Uh, One of those options gets you a weekly transit talk in which every Monday, sometimes Tuesday, but nearly every Monday... I send out a, um, a almost, you know, 45 minute, sometimes nearly an hour long, uh, mini episode about that week's astrology and how it might be affecting us and how we can engage with it, uh, across the spectrum. Uh, I love those transit talks. I've heard from you guys, everybody on the Patreon, you love those transit talks. So, um, let's keep it going. Um, thank you for helping me build a community. If you want to support the show, uh, in a way that doesn't involve Patreon, please share, uh, share these episodes like screenshot from your phone when you're listening to it and get the word out. Let's get, um, let's get some reviews if you don't mind. Um, that's going to get, uh, this show in front of the folks that you want it to be in front of. Folks who might be looking for a way to engage with astrology um, from a beginner's or even an intermediate level in a way that feels accessible and personal and hopefully embodied. That's our goal, right? Uh, if you want to know more about what I'm doing, head on over to www.astrogeomantica.net. You can take a look at all of my offerings. I offer natal chart readings. As an astrologer, I offer offer soul, soulful doula readings, which are um, an, in way, an entrainment model, uh, a way to engage with your own creative power, uh, with your own energetic frequencies. If you are looking to 
um, conceive, if you are looking to conceive a human life, uh, if you're already pregnant, if you've had kids and just have a lot of questions and perhaps um, issues with your birth stories, Soulful Doula is a fantastic option for you. And if you're not looking to conceive and birth anything human, but rather more art-formed or, or relationship-formed or career-formed, Soulful Doula readings can also be incredibly, incredibly effective uh, just in bringing you into a deeper relationship with yourself in love. Okay, friends, uh, that is going to be all of the pre-episode spiel um, that I am going to do. So let's dive right in to chapter three of retrogrades, planetary retrogrades. Chapter three, uh, chapter one, rather, we went into the fundamentals of uh, like what do retrograde, what do retrogrades mean? Um, per my opinion and my experience and my own study, and how I was taught. Chapter two, we went into the very specific dynamics of how planetary retrogrades um, show up in your natal chart. And again, everybody, even if you don't have any planetary retrogrades in your chart. Right now, you're going through those those correlative those those um, those retrograde energies. Um, I don't have a Venus retrograde in my chart, but damn, this last Venus retrograde that we all you know moved through us and and passed through, um, we all had that experience collectively. So I did that in episode two. I went through the personal planets, uh, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. And now we're getting into the middle and the outer planets in this chapter. We're going to move through um, Jupiter, Saturn, uh, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Okay. And, oh my God. Okay. Here we go. Thanks, Mercury retrograde. I forgot about Chiron retrograde. So, and I, I didn't initially. It's just in the recording and the preparation of this particular episode, I forgot about Chiron retrograde. And I'm feeling as it often happens, I'm feeling that that's just going to, that's going to be an addendum. I might make it into a, a mini episode, um, that I will release on the Patreon. Um, and, but knowing me, I'm going to release it on the Patreon and then I'm going to release it here. So just, just stay tuned for, for Chiron retrograde. (laughs) All right, friends, let's dive in. Jupiter retrograde. Um, and let's remember from um, the first two chapters, the first two episodes, that retrogrades are times, are necessary seasons built in in order to accelerate evolution via the mechanism of rejection and rebellion of the status quo. There is a very natural consensus oriented like status quo um the the status quo of energy movement is forward right it's it's directional it's linear and and it's it's moving forward it's evolutionary right excuse me and the the energy of the forward moving planet planetary body is upward outward and forward when the planet is retrograde or is in that retrograde motion, um, that energy 
turns in on itself, inward, downward, and backward. From a fundamentally physical um, perspective, that is a rejection of the status quo. That is a rebellion from the status quo. That is a turning in on itself in order to find direction from within, not from outside of itself. Okay. So this naturally accelerates evolution because anything that is 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 moving in the direction of the individual or individuation, um, evolution or revolution from the status quo, from consensus, that is that is evolution. So and it's it's going to happen a lot faster when we are turning inward in order to gain a more clear um, resonance with our soul. Okay. So <clears throat> Jupiter retrograde, um, this is a time during re- Jupiter retrograde. And right now, um, as I'm recording this, Jupiter has been retrograde for about a week. Um, but if you, I'm also born with, I have a natal Jupiter that is retrograde in Scorpio. Um, this is a time, or this is an individual that must eliminate all belief structures that have been accumulated over the lifetimes in order to arrive at an individualized belief system. Um, Those individualized philosophies and cosmological views, all of those that are are arrived at and defined by just the individual, okay? So in layman's terms, Jupiter is, whereas... Um, Jupiter as the planetary ruler of the sign of Sagittarius. It is the polarity partner to Mercury as the planetary ruler of Gemini. Okay. These two planetary bodies and therefore these two archetypes of Gemini and Sag, they cover our internal reality and our phenomenological or from phenomenal reality, okay? Mercury, Gemini, internal reality. Okay, I'm receiving this information into my ear holes, into my eye holes, all, you know, I, I'm all antenna, and all of these antenna are receiving this information, processing this information, and then I'm communicating out this information as, it, as I relate to it. And I'm in doing so, this relationship to information is allowing me to create my own individual reality, my own matrix of how I, you know, view myself and how I am informed about the world in a limited way. Jupiter, as ruler of the archetype Sag, is the polarity partner to that internal reality in that with Sag, with Jupiter, there is a, an injection of curiosity that calls for an expanded view that calls for that internal reality, that individual reality to look out and to bounce off as many things in the outer phenomenal world in order to gain greater and greater and greater perspective, and therefore in order to gain a greater take on fundamental truth. So we move from information, Gemini, Mercury, to 
truth, Jupiter, Sag. Okay. So when in, in Sagittarius with Jupiter in our ninth house, all of these themes, we find, um, we find the curiosity, we find the higher learning, we find the, the spiritual system, we find the belief systems. These are the, the places in our life and the functions in our life that allow us to create a fundament, a set of fundamental truths. So when Jupiter is retrograde, there is an innate and an inherent rejection <laughs> of all belief systems, ju- sometimes just for the sake of being a belief system. There's something very Uranian, uh, Aquarian about uh, about this aspect of the, um, as we talked about before, about all retrogrades. So, um, so Jupiter retrograde is going to, if you have a Jupiter retrograde, um, it's going to, you're going to find it. And it's interesting. It's not an avoidance of belief systems. Um, and I can speak to that from personal experience, but I also have ninth house Mercury in, uh, yeah, ninth house Mercury. And in that, it's not an avoidance of belief systems. It could be a hyperactivity. It could be a, um, a healthy amount of activity or even a hyper amount of activity jumping into belief systems in order to reject them, in order to experience them, having that experience. And then with that experience, you get to formulate your own individual version of that. And I, I don't know about you, but I can definitely, definitely speak to that. Um, very attract. I am very attracted to belief systems. I was raised in very rigid belief systems um, that I have obviously rebelled against, and um, and allowed that rebellion to um, to bring me into a deeper and more practiced relationship with forgiveness, with um, not throwing, here's a metaphor, a horrible metaphor, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, like going through that, that absolute teenage rebellion in order to, whenever the time is right, if it's right in this lifetime, to come around and reclaim a relationship with the kernel of truth that that belief system was created around, right? Every belief system has a kernel of truth to it, has a kernel of creation, of source, um, that, or else it would not have been created that way. It wouldn't have become a belief system. So I've, I've done this all my life. I have, you know, been, was raised in the belief systems, uh, rejected, you know, most of them, reclaimed my own relationship with some of them um, on an individual, my own individual basis. And then throughout my adult life, not really been happy until I was, or unless I was like involved in some version or another of a philosophy or a belief system, or a way to see the world, a way to a different frame through which to view the world. And 
get really immersed in those, especially in my earlier years, get really immersed in those, throw myself into them um, somewhat unconsciously in the beginning, more consciously now, just with practice, and then allow what wants to stick around, allow what, what my soul was really magnetizing towards to stick, to, to keep with me as treasure, and the rest of it to fall away. And to, you know, to many, that's really, that's like, that's a lot of hopping around. That's a lot of activity. And it could be confusing. Um, I've been in conversations with folks who are like, you know, you've done that, you've done that, you've been involved in that. Don't you see that, like, even these teachers of these different philosophies, don't you think they would disagree with each other? And all I have to say to that is, that's none of my business. That is none of my business if these different worldviews or philosophies agree with each other or don't. My business is, you know, what I'm magnetized to and what serves me uh, and my journey. And that's that's a speaking as somebody with a Jupiter retrograde. That's a deeply, I feel, is a deeply re- Jupiter retrograde experience. Um, places, Jupiter retrograde folks place a premium on the intuitive development Um of the soul's nature. Okay. So it can also be, um, somewhat oversimplified that, you know, the Gemini mercurial side of things are, uh, left brain. I always mix this up. Our right brained and the, no, excuse me, our left brained, <laughs> yeah, our left brained and the, the Jupiter, a Sagittarian side of things are right-brained. We're going from like logic and um, and like that grid work, that kind of dualistic experience, into that more intuitive, that internally. Um, my this truth is based on what I find uh, inside of myself. You know what I'm doing internally, rather than just what logically is outside of me and what the facts are saying. Um, Jupiter retrograde really puts a premium on that intuitive um, intellect, on that intuitive experience. Um, once again, because intuition, it's not a rejection outright and totally of external stimulus and external information. It's a receivership of the external information that is important in order to come to an intuitive um, conclusion and perhaps only listening to that intuitive uh, conclusion. Um, Learning strategies consistently adjusted in order to be highly tailored to reflect the individual reality of the soul. Um, meaning learning strategy, it's a very academic way of saying we, we learn differently. <laughs> it's, it's, it's related as you can tell, if you've already listened to the, the mercury retrograde, um, episode, this is, there's a, a relational, there's a correlative aspect between, um, Mercury retrograde and Jupiter retrograde as far as like learning strategies and therefore like learning challenges, um, how learning is challenged within the spaces of the status quo and how folks with 
Jupiter retrograde and, you know, maybe folks with both Mercury and Jupiter retrograde um, have completely, uh, have had to completely reject in some cases um, traditional learning styles because they just, it doesn't go that way. It does not go that way. And so if you've got a Jupiter retrograde, um, it's not that you have like what we would clunkily describe as learning disabilities these days. Um, it's a, it's a curiosity about literally everything. It's a curiosity that allows for a flexibility and a creativity, um, around the experience of learning. Okay. Um, hit me up if you are, if you have a Jupiter retrograde and you identify as neurodivergent, um, I think that would be a really, if you're open to it, that would be a really interesting conversation. Uh, DM me at Simpreeti Life, or if you're on the Patreon, you can shoot me a message on on Patreon. Um, there is there is definitely a a vibe with Jupiter that is, I am all in until I'm not. <laughs> and it, that kind of relates to the, what I was speaking as f- to, as far as the, um, trying on the belief systems and, and really just like diving in to these methodologies, these philosophies, these religions, um, all of it in order to satisfy that curiosity of, um, of Jupiter and, but not dig, not really dig, put roots down because that's not the point The we know as Jupiter retrograde folks, we always know that it always comes back to us. It always has to, we're all, there's always going to be a home that we experience that is inside of us, not, not outside of us. And so we kind of just, we let it go when we want to let it go. Um, there is also a somewhat of a psychology of inferiority with respect to or relative to what Jupiter retrograde folks know they know. Um, this is weird and it's a little hall of mirrors in that Jupiter retrograde folks um, have a vast internal catalog uh, and, and an, an internal awareness of that vast catalog of wisdom and knowledge and desire for more wisdom and desire for more more knowledge, but it's not the inferiority um, experience kind of, or psychology kind of comes around to, it's not going to necessarily immediately come across that way, especially if you also have a mercury retrograde. Um, It's like a fire hose amount of water trying to come through a kitchen faucet. Uh, it's just, it's, it's vast. It contains multitudes internally, but how to get that internal vastness in a, into a linear tube that allows it to come out, (laughs) becoming external wisdom, external, you know, uh, externally communicated wisdom, externally communicated communication uh, or, um, uh, knowledge that's a different, that's a horse of a different color. That's a, a completely different. So there can be kind of a, um, a, 
a hiccup or a block or a pattern of resistance and maybe even a pattern of suppression or repression um, where the Jupiter retrograde person kind of feels maybe maybe isn't even necessarily a wallflower too quiet or, or introverted in that way. Um, but there's just an extra step there that they're aware of, of how to, how to place a, um, and in doing so, I'm sure Jupiter retrograde folks place a premium on how they are perceived as far as their intellect. And I know that it is, um, it is very, very important that I am perceived personally, and this is a lot of transparency here. It's important that people know that I know my shit. It's important to me that people know that I know. And that ab- absolutely there's ego in that. Absolutely there's attachment in that. Absolutely there's an inf- there's a complex, a couple of complexes in there. But fundamentally, like when we take away all of that, um, that I can totally see my Jupiter retrograde um, in my fifth house, which is that that self-expression. And in the fifth house, it is all about us. Um, I can see that it it would be um, I can see that extra step that has created a sense of like, oh shit, I didn't sound smart there. I what if I what if I didn't make sense to this person? It's really important that I make sense when I am expressing myself. Um, by digging into these retrogrades uh, a lot over the past couple of months. I could see that in myself and like connect that back to that Jupiter retrograde in the fifth house of it's just really fucking important that I at least appear uh, to know my shit. So um, let me know if you have Jupiter retrograde and that's, and you can, you can vibe with that. Um, The thyroid is ruled by Jupiter. Um, Also, therefore, do you have thyroid issues? Hello, I have uh, been diagnosed um, a while ago with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. It's an autoimmune thyroid uh, disease. And uh, yeah, I have Jupiter in retrograde. So in my fifth house, <laughs> house of creative self-expression. So um, I found that really, really interesting because the thyroid is the metabolic controller of all of the um, assimilative processes, i.e., our our metabolism, um, it's the it, meaning that it's the the it the pituitary gland tells the thyroid what to do, but the thyroid then literally like tells the rest of the endocrine system what to do as far as hormones, and therefore all of the messages that the rest of the body is getting for oh um, I'm gonna you know digest this food in this way and I'm going to take these nutrients out and I'm going to, these, this hormone allows those nutrients to be shuttled from point A to point B, all of that, all of that incredible subway system of, of biochemical messaging comes from the thyroid and Jupiter rules how we assimilate information and like how we create a, a a cohesive, integrated experience of worldview, 
of truth. And so you can, can you see how that correlates over to how the thyroid helps us create biochemically a cohesive experience, a, an assimilated view of our uh, experience of, of things going in, things going out, um, hormonally and chemically. Um, so every Jupiter retrograde transit offers a new view in this section of your chart. Meaning, like right now, Jupiter just went into retrograde in uh, Taurus. And right now, let me pull up my chart real quick. And right now, Jupiter is, yeah, Jupiter's still in my 11th house. Um, Jupiter was in my 10th house for quite a minute uh, last year and has moved now into into my 11th house and been there for a little bit. Um, so where is Jupiter retrograde in your neck of the woods, in your chart? Um, mine's in the 11th house. This is really waking up all of those um, sense of community, a sense of connectedness, a sense of purpose uh, collectively. A, um, also, we're and we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper with Uranus retrograde, um, trauma, collective trauma is, um, is a, an 11th house thing. So go back to your chart and see where, um, this Jupiter retrograde is moving through, uh, your chart and you can kind of fold in these, um, these themes of Jupiter retrograde that we've been going over over the last couple of minutes. Um, let me check my notes. Yes. Jupiter retrograde is how we are putting our reality together intuitively. Yeah, I think we went over that enough. Um, so yeah, that's a good way. That's a good point. Um, a succinct way of talking about how kind of Gemini and Sag work together, and then Jupiter as the ruler of Sag, Jupiter retrograde, and really incorporating that intuitive process. Jupiter retrograde is how we are putting our reality together, all of them, <laughs> intuitively. All right. So that is Jupiter retrograde. Let's move on to Saturn retrograde. And when we get to Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, but specifically Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, the the retrograde influence of each planet as because it is an acceleration of evolution via individuation. These planets, when they are retrograde, they're always going to, there's going to be a pointing towards the next planet because there's always going to be a, a sense, a feeling, a theme of moving forward, of evolving. And the themes of Saturn, and this is this is really, really hardcore evolutionary astrology. The themes of Saturn are consensus. Uh, and consensus evolves into individuation, which is the themes of Uranus, 11th house, um, Aquarius. Saturn, 10th house cap, um, evolves naturally into um, Uranus, 11th house, Aquarius, 
which itself evolves into the spiritual Neptune, 12th house, uh, Pisces. Okay. So these three planets in particular, every, yeah, these three planets, I'm just going to put that right there. These three planets in particular point to the next one when they are themselves retrograde. So you're going to hear me talk about that a lot over these next three planets. So Saturn retrograde, evolutionary and karmic need to define one's own sense of personal authority, structural reality, and ways of integrating into their culture as determined by that individual. Okay. So there's an, when we have Saturn retrograde and yes, it's me, we have an evolutionary, it's built in and karmic need to define our own uh, sense of personal authority, to define our own structural reality, how shit works, and our, to define our own ways of integrating into my culture. Um, that is, I don't know if that is like my hardest, it's just, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around as an astrologer, but as also somebody who experiences this myself personally in my chart, because Saturn is, this is where, you know, obviously we're talking about like personal authority, uh, rejecting structural, external structural reality. Those are Uranian themes. Those are Aquarian themes. Those are 11th house themes, right? Um, and, having this be a Saturn, uh, the planet Saturn embodying these particular values is just, it's like, no wonder we're fucking crazy because <laughs> it feels very two-faced. It feels very like, well, which are you? Um, Saturn retrograde folks, there's a refusal to conform to consensus norms. Now, what I love about what does make sense, more um, immediate sense about Saturn retrograde for me is there that there is a rejection of the external status quo, all of those norms, in order to focus more on internal uh, accountability. There is definitely a, a premium placed for the Saturn retrograde person, a premium, and every Saturn retrograde, which naturally we're in one right now because we're in all of them nearly. Um, the Saturn retrograde person, there's a premium placed on internal accountability. What is my responsibility here? Uh, this happened. What is my, how can I be, how can I hold myself better accountable? What's my thing here? And naturally, like, you know where I'm going with this. Naturally, there, I feel like Saturn retrograde folks carry with them, at least in the beginning of their, their development, the early stages of their development, carry with them a lot of shame, a lot of internalized shame, um, or have things happen in their life that create that, that sense of internalized shame. I was born in a belief system that, uh, believes in original sin. Like, I mean, you can't get much more internalized sense of shame than that. Like it's just built in. (laughs) And, um, and 
this is, it's almost like I can see that it has to be there in order to rebel against. It has to be there in the first place. This shame has to be there in the first place in order to rebel against that, in order to reject that notion of internal shame so that we can transmute that shame into its 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 lighter form, which is self-accountability, self-responsibility. Um, we go from the shame, and Brene Brown does it, says it so well, and I think I'm going to butcher it here. Guilt is, what have I done wrong? And shame is, uh, I, something's wrong with me. And, um, that's, that's how she describes like the, how she interprets the difference between guilt and shame. Like guilt is, is a function. Guilt is a very, very normal, necessary function. Um, shame is not guilt is what, okay, what's my part here? What did I do wrong? Uh, and it, and if you hear the difference, there's, it's neutral, it's neutral. It's like just the facts, ma'am. Okay. What did I do wrong? Shame is there's something wrong with me because, or else I wouldn't have done this thing or I did this thing. Therefore there must be something there. Now I'm bad. You know, that's, that is shame. It's internalizing it. It's making it subjective. And I feel that those of us with Saturn retrograde, we, we come here and depending on like all of the other relationships that you're you know, and aspects that your Saturn and your chart has with other planets and which sign and which house and all of that. It's, there's a really incredible classroom there uh, that we've all signed up to be in where we get to transmute that. We get to pick apart, okay, what is, because we are so, that Saturn retrograde is so interested in the personal responsibility that, it will stick there with the shame and and just kind of pan through it in order to let all of the shit that doesn't belong there to purify out, to filter out. And what we're left is a very, very, very integral, important soul level sense of responsibility and therefore authority. So... Um, Saturn retrograde folks born to parents who encourage individuality, Mwah, chef's kiss, fan fucking tastic, no problems with, uh, but this is not the case with folks, <clears throat> myself, who are, who were born into authoritarian uh, families. Uh, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. And like, there's the, there's the, um, sorry. I had to get some water. Um, there's that additional layer of, or kind of baking in of the shame part, because when you are are hardwired to to really just from the inside out individuate and find your own individual sense of authority, um, and you're born to authoritarian parents, the only tools that they have is like something's wrong with you you are rebelling and that's a sin or whatever language was used in your household. Um, therefore, something's wrong with you. And there's that shame cycle again. So it's almost like shame is the, it's the inversion, the unnatural inversion 
of, of responsibility, of self-authority, of self-responsibility. Because, I mean, you look at kids who are, especially older kids or kid, you know, depending on, on what their makeup, no matter the age, there are kids out there that have a very unique relationship to authority and it triggers every fucking adult that they are around. (laughs) And, and so I can tell now as a parent, as well as an astrologer of like who I'm dealing with of like, Oh, you, you came in to challenge, to challenge everything, to reject everything in order to find your own way. And how much I just, you know, you got to wonder how much shame are, is being programmed into that kid's system, um, because of what they're bumping up against. And it's not necessarily like my mommy cancer rising, uh, heart and, and soul, like get really sad and, you know, compassionate. And like, I want to, I want to nurture, (laughs) Um, but like, let's get neutral about it. That's an embodied soul who came in that way with full consciousness, knowing which family they were born into. And if they were born into a family that, you know, doesn't cotton to that, doesn't cotton to all that mouthing back and rebellion. Yes, they're getting programmed with a lot of shame, but that shame will get transmuted, right? That's a soul with X amount of years in front of in front of them as an embodied human who gets to work through that shame. And that's like, it takes a lot of the heartbreak for me, at least out of watching kids, you know, and my own of course too. And, um, trying to save them from all the trauma, as much trauma as possible. That, that just leads to heartbreak. And instead it's like, okay, I'm doing the best I can as a parent. I am trusting that everybody out there is doing the best they can. That's that's to varying degrees of success, right? We all know that. But everybody out there is doing the best they can. But each soul that is born into each family on the soul level knows why they are there. And they are there to incur the exact tools that they need in order to continue their evolution in their own individuated way. And that doesn't necessarily mean the most comfortable way, the least traumatic way. So when it comes to, and again, we're going to talk about trauma with Uranus, when it comes to saving ourselves from like living so that we are as trauma free as possible and maybe raising our kids so that they are in order to avoid as much trauma as possible, perhaps that's not the, the most human route. Perhaps that's the least possible route that we could take. And that's not necessarily the point to save us, uh, to prevent as much trauma as possible, to avoid as much trauma as possible, but instead to encourage an assumption of resilience and an assumption of holiness inside of us that meaning at some level, everybody knows what they're doing. And I'm, I am really rambling. I went down this rabbit hole, but, um, that's these retrograde planets you can see, I hope, I hope that you can see just how much nuance 
they add to our personal stories. Just so much nuance because it's all about individuation and individual. Um, Saturn retrograde folks, as a result, are very introspective and very, very reflective because, again, we go back to that place of like, wait, what's my responsibility in this, in this situation? I'm suffering. What's my responsibility in this? Um, and that's, that's a talent and a skill that Saturn retrograde folks are really, really, really good at. Just kind of um, looking inward, right? Looking inward, what's my responsibility? Um, yeah, reflective in order to examine the nature of their reality at any point in time. Um, meaning, and th- with that kind of beautiful Saturnian critical eye, what needs to be changed so that growth may occur inwardly? And also, what dynamics that are existing are causing problems, are preventing growth from occurring? Um, so we also, with Saturn retrograde, we also get brooders, not, um, not if you're familiar with, um, farm dynamics and agrarian, uh, culture, I'm not talking about the brooders that incubate the baby chicks. <laughs> uh, the, there is a brooding that happen. Um, Saturn retrograde souls naturally brood. We're very brooding and the, the book that I am quoting from for this, um, again, Evolutionary Astrology, revised by Jeffrey Wolfgreen, edited by David Green, um, says brooding is very different from depression. This occurs, and I'm quoting here, this occurs because Saturn retrograde simply cannot buy into what the mainstream of a society is calling reality. And these people need to define a structural reality that is unique to them. As a result, these people tend to question the consensus in terms of what constitutes real meaning in their lives, what is actually important, and which is not important. This then creates a gulf between them and consensus society in which most people live. The brooding and withdrawal is then necessary for them to do because it can lead to an inner awareness of what they can do for themselves that will create that sense of meaning of what does feel important for them to do as individuals. So it's this, and we'll get to the dissatisfaction part um, hardcore with Neptune retrograde, but like there's this looking out about you and seeing, just being dissatisfied with how, with what people are calling important and paying attention to. And there's a, and it's, yes, there's a judgmentalism there. There is kind of that kind of angsty Gen X kind of like, uh, you're not counterculture enough. Um, you know, why would you wear those shoes? Why would you, re- you know, your values aren't important enough. There's a very kind of subversion of this in the the, the left wing, super left wing um, area of our culture of like, which I love the show Portlandia for, for kind of lampooning of like, um, you know, these 
you sit down at the restaurant and um, the waiter, the, the server comes over and and goes over the specials and one of them's chicken. And, you know, the, the people ordering are like, well, where did this chicken come from? Which farm did this chicken come from? What was the chicken's name? How many feathers were on the chicken? In order to like, meaning that the, the subtext being, I am a more conscious person because I am more aware of like where my food came from. It's that there's a, that's a subversion of it, but Saturn retrograde is definitely like the, the truer parts of that hilarious lampooning subversion is, um, is just being dissatisfied with how the world is going. And as from the sense of authority, like that's where you you people are taking your orders from really that's how you people are taking the structure from man it's saturn retrograde right now and it has been for a minute and there's a lot of this going around there's a lot of this going around and the issue is is that when people start getting high on their own rejection of authority right and they start creating their own consensus authority based on their own individual and start demanding that other people fall in line with their own individual style of rejecting consensus authority. Like, can you see how cyclical and crazy and navel-gazy this can get? But from the truest sense, from the astrology, Saturn retrograde folks were pretty broody because they were like, "Mm, that just doesn't do it for me anymore. So I'm going to go inward. I'm going to reconnect with my soul. And the soul will always lead you back to beauty. When you connect with your soul, you will always be pointed in the direction of where beauty exists in the world in which you exist. Okay? It's it's not I'm going inward to stay there. It is I'm going inward for my dose of authority to take my direction and that soul will always point you in the direction of beauty of truth, of harmony, and of love. So then what happens? We fucking fall in love with our world again. We do, but we fall in love with it as it is, not as it's projected to be by the consensus. All right, take that to the bank. Um, Next notes. What is true meaning? What is actually important? Yeah, very broody. When Saturn goes retrograde, there can be a great morning of life, like M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. So when, when Saturn goes retrograde, there can be a collective of like, oh, why are we even doing this? <laughs> like this dissatisfaction. And so when, when Saturn goes retrograde, there's that initially. And then there's this great collective turning inward to go into the soul. And right now, um, Saturn's retrograde in Pisces. That's like the most soul that we can get. And so there's a great going inward right now, collectively, that we are all experiencing and are going to continue to experience in the next two, I think, Saturn retrogrades. Um, Don't quote me. Yeah. Um, And maybe three. I'll have to check. I'll have to check my math. Um, 
all these Saturn retrogrades in Pisces are like, it's the ultimate injection of going inward, rejecting the status quo in order to go inward and find the seat of the soul in order to fall back in love, not with what is, uh, or what was set up to be out there, but what like truly is like a greater, a purer essence of what is, uh, because it's what is, is, i.e. external reality around us, are reflections of our soul. So the more that we can relate to our soul and align with our soul, the more we are able to recognize when the outer world reflects that soul-specific reflection, you know, what reflects that part of us. Um, Okay, so that is Saturn retrograde. Um, Let's move on to Uranus retrograde. So Uranus holds, correlates to the individual conscious and the individual unconscious. And if Saturn retrograde points towards Uranus in its like, um, it's revolutionary, rebellious, um, throwing off the consensus in order to individuate, uh, if Saturn retrograde points towards Uranus themes, then Uranus retrograde points towards Neptunian themes, which can create a core alienation from the reality of Earth, societies, any meaning that is defined by consensus. Okay, when Uranus is retrograde at birth, um, this is a soul who wants to repeat or relive certain friendships in which something was not resolved or finished. Also, these soul groups simply wish to, you know, carry on with one another. So when we're talking Uranus, we're talking the sign of Aquarius. We're also talking 11th house. And that's why, you know, that last note of um, Uranus retrograde folks tend to hang out with with their karmic soul groups. They find those and they, they have a lot more to do with their karmic soul groups in that lifetime. Um, because that 11th house theme of community and Uranus retrograde folks, um, this is really interesting. They have and create all kinds of thought forms that occur in the consciousness of their own volition that symbolize a large, larger and freer future. Uranus, uh, correlates to the soul's inner blueprint for its evolutionary future needs and therefore Uranus retrograde folks, um, and I have Uranus retrograde too, Uranus retrograde folks, we tend to have, a, it's much more prominent, um, our dream state or our unconscious states are much more futuristic in that there, there, there is a greater accessibility there to collective consciousness and not just the consciousness, the present consciousness of the collective, but collective capital C consciousness, like the collective moving, evolving into greater, greater levels of consciousness. So these Uranus and retrograde types, um, we fucking like love, we daydream or we create things that are, or we are driven and attracted to things that want to improve this world on the collective level. And um, I was just speaking to a close friend and mentor of mine who also has a Uranus retrograde. And um, 
and they've like legitimately changed uh, a whole section of 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 consensus reality uh within a scientific um within the scientific realm they they just it was brought to them this this evolutionary thinking uh and concept and practice within this particular area of science um they've been working on it for the past 20 years but it's just it's them it was just them and and they're they're creating bigger and bigger communities with it but it was very clear to me like it was it was such an obvious uranus retrograde um thing that was that was that they were getting to express and um and so those with uranus retrogrades um in their chart there's a continuous like this is a continuous and probably like a, a cyclical, a continuously cyclical experience of, of um, much like with Saturn retrograde, like you fall out of love with the world around you and you get, you get into your ennui or you get into your brooding phase. Then you go inward and it's almost like that's where you receive, you go into your unconscious and that Uranus retrograde brings, it's super easy for that unconscious to be brought to the individual's consciousness of like, wouldn't it be great if, if this could be the way? And it's not even daydreamy like that, like hypothetical questions. It's, I believe it's literally having an ability or a a greater accessibility, um, to, to tap into future timelines and to tap into, uh, perhaps, you know, since we're kind of unlearning time, we're all unlearning time right now, um, tapping into what we would describe as future timelines, but are actually parallel and are occurring right now, but we're just able to kind of hop into that, that go through the veil of the unconscious and bring it back into the, uh, into the individual's consciousness. And then, it's that individual's choice. Like sometimes it's just like the one, the one time where you kind of get that pop of inspiration and other times that same theme keeps coming in and keeps the soul decides it wants to attach to that theme, that particular theme in order to create a desire and a drive to act upon it as my friend and mentor did. Um, checks notes, um, Uranus retrograde. Um, yes. Conscious, unconscious to conscious the content. Um, okay. Yeah. So this makes a little bit more sense. Individual conscious, unconscious bringing into the conscious in order to review the content in order to learn from it and in order to apply it to ongoing reality. These unconscious thoughts of a freer future, as Jeffrey Wolfgreen puts it, becomes so repetitive that the individual will want to take action on them. So I also, I spoke a little bit before about how Uranus and Aquarius and the 11th house correlates to trauma thematically. Um, the Uranus retrograde soul will perpetually cyclically release um, fragments of traumatic memories in order to relieve, relive rather, hello retrograde, in order to relive that, that trauma and in order to heal it. So those of us with 
Uranus retrograde um, with a bunch of maybe uh, 11th house placements. Uh, my Chiron's in 11th house. Yay. Um, there is an intensive, anybody who has Uranus, anybody who has Aquarius, anybody who has 11th house, hello, everybody, you know, has that thematic relationship with, with trauma. Um, Uranus retrograde folks, how this applies to Uranus retrograde, it's this, um, it's an internal repetitive uh, situation, whereas where it's almost like folks with a lot of unhealed trauma, untransmuted, non-transmuted density, we could also call it, um, pick a, a lifetime in which they have a Uranus retrograde. They're born under Uranus retrograde, and therefore it's just a lot more regular for them to flush that toilet, <laughs> you know, it's just a lot, it's built in, it's baked in that they're going to spend that lifetime with a greater accessibility to the unconscious trauma. And what is the 11th house? It's the collective. So it's not just that person's, you know, soul, what they, what they experienced individually in previous lifetimes. It is, it is everybody's soul. It is the collective trauma. And we're all, you know, that's becoming a normative phrase. And we're all, you know, really centering a lot of our consciousness is around trauma healing to the point that we're getting a little navel gazy with it, in my opinion. But that's, a, and I also understand that's a completely natural thing to happen with that pendulum swinging, right? Um, so it'll balance out. But Uranus retrograde folks, we just, if you have Uranus retrograde and you're, you, you're, (laughs) you can sympathize with an experience of like, can I just get like one year off? Just, just one year. Why do I, why did, why does shit keep coming up? You know, what, what's the, where's the bottom of the barrel? I thought, I thought that was last year, but no, this I'm, it still feels like I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel and there's just more. Um, that can be a real Uranus retrograde experience. Um, and the beauty in that, because again, there's beauty in everything. The beauty in that is that we, through that repetitive, uh, bringing to consciousness and repetitive healing, we, what happens when you heal something, you gain tools, you gain experience, you gain resilience and you gain a bit of your heart back, right? So every time we go back in or something floats up and we can, and this can be something that like takes years to process or to, to, to heal, or it could take like literally just seeing, seeing the bubble float in front of you. And as you look at the bubble, it pops and then you just, you meet it with love and that's what transmutes it. It can be that easy sometimes, that simple. Um, every time that happens, we integrate another part of ourselves back in to us. Uh, we become more whole. We become more holy. And we gain a greater, a more um, comprehensive experience of ourselves, a more comprehensive sensation of ourselves. We can feel more. And that means we can love more. And um, so that that's my own personal take on that uh, bottomless barrel 
of 11th House Trauma. There we go. You come here for the uh, the light talk. Okay, so Uranus... Last thing with Uranus. Uranus retrograde correlates with souls that are fundamentally detached in order to observe without any emotional links. Total awareness. And this, again, is feeding into Neptune. Um, so Aquarius, uh, and especially like I have Venus Aquarius, uh, Aquarius and Venus, excuse me, Venus in Aquarius, they, they can get bad raps about being like cold and detached, which I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to not embrace, right? Um, but the 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 detachment there, there is a very real detachment in Uranian themes, Aquarian and 11th house themes. Um, necessary detachment because remember, let's go back to the um, the co the cohabitor. Okay, there. Where where did my words go, Mercury? The the polarity partner <laughs> uh, of Aquarius, and that's Leo, right? So Leo is all subjective. Leo, Leo is the benevolent narcissist that knows how deserving they are of unconditional love and therefore creates from that space of unconditional self-love and gives so generously and expects the people around them to understand understand that too, just how lovely they are. Um, it's a very subjective. You have to. We have to point in Leo. We have to point that um, that light back to us in order to focus on our gifts, our own very authentic creative self expression. Uranus uh, Aquarius eleventh house is the polarity partner to that. It is. I'm zoomed out. I am the lifeguard and I love everybody in this pool so much that I'm going to sit up here on this seat and I'm not going to take my eyes off the collective because I am going to engage. I'm going to serve them from back here because I know that that's the best place for me to serve them. I can know when that person's going under. I can know when that person over there looks like they're getting tired. Um, and I can do something about it. So that is the detachment of, that is the, like the soul's loving desire via detachment in, you know, in Aquarius with Uranian themes. Um, that, that detachment, what comes from that also is... It is, uh, it, we have to detach from those emotional links, i.e. attachment, like you, we could say like capital A attachment, because we're not objective when we are attaching to a particular expectation, when we are attaching to a particular identity, when we are attaching to maybe uh, a relationship that we have, like I'm only in this this, I'm only labeling this relationship as healthy as long as you do X, Y, Z, you know, as long as it produces X, Y, Z, that's those type of limiting attachments. Um, Uranus retrograde, um, all Uranian movements and placements produce a, you know, some level of detachment Uranus retrograde. Um, there's a fundamental detachment. There's like, that's just extra easy 
to my favorite quote about Aquarius is, I love humanity. It's people I hate. (laughs) Um, And there's a freedom in that because Uranus loves freedom and uh, revolution above everything else. Okay, let's get into Neptune retrograde. Um, Neptune, uh, ruler, planetary ruler of Pisces. Neptune correlates to the nature and ongoing of consciousness, God slash source. Um, that which constitutes the ultimate meaning of life itself. So Neptune retrograde is the absolute, um, let me get this. The, the absolute origins of consciousness, uh, or Neptune, um, rather. Neptune correlates to the absolute origins of consciousness. We call that God. We call that spirit. We call that universe, etc. cetera. Um, within this, Neptune correlates to that which constitutes the ultimate meaning of life itself. When Neptune is retrograde at birth, it correlates to a consciousness or a soul who will progressively reject or rebel against that which constitutes the real meaning of life as defined by the world around them, as defined by their parents, their parents' religion, um, you know, emanating from whatever society or culture that they were born into. Um, So I do not, interestingly enough, Neptune, I do not have Neptune retrograde. Um, I don't, Neptune is is, uh, direct for me. Damn, this this really hits home for me. Um, I, and I, I really can't objectively say that though, because I'm not somebody who has Neptune retrograde. I may think that I be I'm vibing with these themes, but that person over there with Neptune retrograde is like, oh girl, you have no idea. <laughs> um, Neptune is inherently formless, like water. And like water, Neptune takes the shape of its container, um, human in this case, but because we're talking about human consciousness, um, Neptune is consciousness. Neptune, Pisces, consciousness, they're all inherently formless themselves, and therefore they take the form of whatever container they are inhabiting. And right now, you know, dear listener, it's, it's a human consciousness. So this is why Neptune, talking about Neptune is hard. It's hard to talk about Neptune because it's not, it's very, by its very nature, it's not meant to be totally definable. It's very, um, ethereal in that you can, you can best experience Neptune peripherally. And it's, it's meant to be that way. Um, because Neptune is the, if, if Uranus is the individual consciousness and unconsciousness, Neptune is the collective consciousness slash unconsciousness. Um, and so that being said, when we are talking about Neptune and therefore Neptune retrograde, we're talking about this hive in which we are, you know, beautifully inhabiting this whole, every form of matter here, 
that that lives with us emanates a consciousness that um, feeds the collective, right? And people with Neptune retrograde have are are very very sensitized to that collective consciousness, to that hive mind, and uh, not hive mind in the you know pathological way, but literal the 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 hum of the collective, and therefore people with Neptune retrograde. This can this can uh, impact them greatly psychologically, meaning there is just a greater burden on their own psyche um, because they have that um, they they have those that accessibility to not just their own individual consciousness but their own accessibility to the collective consciousness, um, and there is a. There, there can be described a bit of a, a, a risk for fragility there because shit, that's a huge burden. That's a, that's that's Atlas, you know, carrying the hold, holding up the world, and that is, or was it the sky? I can't remember. Um, so, folks with with um, and th- this is not something like you go back and you look in your chart and you're like, fuck, I've got. Neptune retrograde. Um, <laughs> although knowing most of you who listen to this, you go back and you look at your chart and you're like, oh yeah, I have Neptune retrograde. That explains a lot. <laughs> but this isn't a reason to go go anticipating psychosis. Um, this is a, if, if you do indeed have Neptune retrograde, it's an understanding of your undertaking. It's a, it's a greater understanding of the responsibility that you have for perhaps uh, keeping your side of the street clean when it comes to your mental health, what you listen to. Oh, let's go back to that best of all D words this Virgo season, discernment, 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 discernment. Neptune retrograde requires of us a greater and greater skill in discerning what, what voices we are hearing, you know, what are the voices, what's the origin of the voices that we're hearing? What is the origin of the truth that we feel that we are coming into contact with? Um, and then, you know, utilizing discernment and then decision-making on if you're going to listen to that anymore, if that is something that you're interested in listening to, um, there's still, these are still planetary bodies. They are still, we, look at your hand. You have a correlation to every planetary body on your hand. Okay. And me, and that's just a, a, a real esoteric way of an out there way of saying within your body, you command the spheres. You have command of the spheres and how they affect you. Not to say that that you're anything more than you are and that I'm anything more than I am egoically. It's just as we are practicing this embodiment, especially with the really big themes, <laughs> and Neptune is nearly the biggest theme here, um, it can feel very... Um, 
Like what's the point? And it can feel very, uh, we can feel very out of, um, overwhelmed by what we are carrying and, and then get really tied up in the details of how to control it. And it's like, no, 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 no. We don't, we're not interested in control. We are interested in command. Very, very different things here. Control is suppression, repression. It's going against the flow. Command is going with the flow. It is sitting in in truth and beauty, naked, (laughs) naked and having our reality in front of us also naked. And this could be, you know, the reality of your astrology and that, you know, it's not necessarily comfortable perhaps, or it's brought a lot of heart or it's helped you deal with a lot of hardship in your life and heal from a lot. Um, but you still, that you still have command over how you experience that and how you continue to write that story. And with this Neptune uh, retrograde, um, it can come with it. There can come with it a real sense of existential void, which, which spurs us on as seekers. Okay, we, we become existentially just completely disillusioned with our life and the world around us and just existence in general, right? Just an existential void. But we're still in human bodies. <laughs> so the psych the, the heart keeps beating and the breath keeps going and it's like now what? I can only be in the existential void for so long. And then we're driven to seek. We're we're driven to seek a deeper meaning. You know, we're we're disillusioned with what is in front of us. So let's seek a deeper meaning. And so we do. And this this Neptunian that retrograde on we it it spurs us on to get into greater and greater alignment with spiritual source through the sensation of dissatisfaction, right? Without that ennui, without that dissatisfaction, we would not be spurred on to create a purer and purer um, existence in alignment with our soul's purpose. And as a result we start making choices and we start making decisions that align with our soul, that actually align with our soul and create a spirit-centered life. And this happens again and again and again and again. Um, still with, with, um, with Neptune retrograde, and this is kind of their kink, that there's, there's never going to be total satisfaction because we're still in human bodies, there's always going to be that we're always going to bump up against that that very delicious wall of separation that separates us from total consciousness from which we just came. And for me, and maybe this is my my Neptune direct talking, um, I bump up against that wall, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm still in a body. I'm not supposed to be totally satisfied. There's always going to be a sense of of just shadowy 
you know, floating through the water dissatisfaction because I'm not a fucking soul. I'm not just a soul anymore. I'm an embodied soul. And that yearning, that longing for source, that longing for connection is meant to be expressed through this physical body for this lifetime instead of as a, you know, as a disembodied soul being at one with source, you know? It's, it kind of comes back to that. Well, that's not what we signed up for. <laughs> and that's why I lose, you can hear it in my voice probably, I lose patience with with the types. And I, and Jeffrey Wolf Green, he was greatly um, influenced by, you know, Jungian psychology and, um, and, the, and the transcendental types of like, uh, of which, you know, Buddhism is, is a huge part um, of these bodies are, are, are in the way of, of total, uh, this desire is in the way of like total detachment and therefore total integrate reintegration with source. And I lose patience with that because it's like, why am I here then? And I know it's a, it, it's, it's so complex and it's, and I'm trying to be very respectful, but this is my own personal experience. It's like, I don't, there's only so much of me that can transcend. And I, I think I talked about this in the Pisces, um, the Pisces episode of astrology and stuff. Um, there's only so much of it that can ascend. And it, it's almost like I'm recognizing in these voices that are teaching this, that it's the same thing that I was taught when I was sitting in church as a kid. Like we're not here for, we're trapped in the body. And then when we get to heaven, we'll be free. And, and that's what we're working for just to get to heaven. And I hear the same thing now with like all of the, 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 the not transcendental meditation, not like TM that's like, but like the transcendent hyper-focus of, um, of thought, uh, methodologies, philosophies, religions, belief systems that, are just so damn impatient with the body and, and say that like desire and attachment always get in the way and equivocal unequivocally, right? Always. Um, and it's like, no desire is here for a purpose. Like our soul came into a body and yes, we are going to bring it back to Neptune. We are going to feel dissatisfied. We are going to experience dissatisfaction and it is going to drive us to seek a more spirit-filled life, which then points us back to our bodies, points us back to the present moment. Okay, that's where that's where I feel like something's missing, and and you know I'll, 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 this stu- this particular form of study of astrology is like a spirit-filled life points us back to now, points us back to here where we are. A spirit, a more spirit-filled life is never going to take us further away from the here and now um, in a balanced way, right? Because spirit, yeah, I'm just going to say it again and again. Spirit points us to here and now, which is the only moment that exists. Okay, um, Neptune retrograde folks can often have sleep disturbances. Um, there could be um, like a lack of, of sleep, like maybe some insomnia issues. And also on the other uh, swing of the pendulum, there can be 
um, kind of an escaping life going into, um, over, you know, amounts of sleep or sedation, uh, utilizing, uh, substances perhaps to aid in that kind of like escaping the interminable ennui. Um, that's tip, that's going to be more prevalent in folks who don't have containers for spirituality in their life, who don't have modelship for spirituality in their life. Um, because they don't have that, that scratch, you know, that, that tool to scratch that itch for that, um, searching for that meaning of life. And so it can be really easy just to sedate out of it and just kind of opt out and pull out of the question altogether. Um, so finally, Pluto retrograde, Pluto retrograde is so interesting because half the people on earth have Pluto retrograde and meaning that at any time, half of the folks around are not accepting of the status quo and will question in such a way as to reflect their own natural evolutionary condition and state. So remember, Pluto is evolution. It's the, it's the representation of the soul and the soul's primary desire, which is to evolve. Okay. And half of the people walking around, I have it. My husband has it. Interestingly enough, both of my kids, they don't have, um, outer planet retrogrades and, um, they, and, but half of the people, their soul is in this natural alignment with, uh, reject, completely rejection, complete rebellion of how the status quo is going about things, uh, how, meaning how they are evolving. So it's almost like we have like these fractures within fractures within fractures of quote unquote conscious communities within, so you can bet your bottom dollar that within every quote unquote conscious community, you're going to have half of those people who are rebelling against that type of consciousness or coming into a con in consciousness. Listen to what I just did with Neptune. I just like, I, I talked about Neptune retrograde and as I was taught it, and then I immediately rebelled against a large chunk of what, the, how those teachings, <laughs> what, what those teachings were, you know, I rebelled against it. It's like, and that's, that's my Pluto retrograde coming out. It's like, oh, you call that evolving? No, I have to evolve in my own way. And I will evolve in my own way. I have to listen to my soul. Um, and the thing with Pluto is that's the, it's the most unconscious part of us. So we don't even have to be like you could have somebody with a Pluto retrograde who is for all intents and purposes on the surface and below the surface, just super, you know, not your traditional rebellious person, your traditionally rebellious person. Um, incredible like relationships, a giver, you know, not none of that stereotypical rejection and rebellious of authority, but unconsciously, they're always making those choices or they're following those instincts. That's a better way of putting it for unconsciously. They're following those instincts that are theirs and theirs alone, right? So maybe even on the surface, they could be in lockstep with consensus, but under the surface, they are absolutely going their own way. Um, 
emphasis on the desire to return to source with, with Pluto retrograde. There's just, um, I, I think there's some astrologers out there that could, um, interpret Pluto retrograde as like, Oh, this is your last, this is your last go round. This is your last, uh, incarnation as a human here. Um, because there is that desire to, there's that innate desire to return to source. Um, I'm not going to go any further with that, that particular interpretation. I don't necessarily cotton to, um, us being able to see that this is like our last go round. Cause we're, I mean, we're not llamas guys. We're not, we're not, um, we're not a part of like the, the tantric, um, excuse me, the Tibetan Buddhist system who like spent <sighs> millennia studying soul paths and death and spirit and things like that. They've got that down. Like if, if, um, a Rinpoche or a Lama says, this is my last life, I'm going to believe them. I'm absolutely going to believe them. Um, but as far as like the rest of us, I think it's really, it's so complex. I think it's really, really, really complex, but I think this might be one of the ingredients is having a, a Pluto retrograde. But like, what does that say? That's like, that's like half of us. So <laughs> here we go with the nuance. Absolutely. Here we go with the nuance. What uh, sign is your Pluto retrograde in? Uh, what house is your Pluto retrograde in? Wh- who, what planets are they hanging uh, around with? Right? Um, dissatisfaction as a mechanism accelerates the evolutionary process. And here we go again with the dissatisfaction. Good Lord, with the, the last three planets. Yes, I talked about a lot of dissatisfaction, but uh, you can see that that dissatisfaction, like I just said with Pluto, it's a mechanism dissatisfaction isn't supposed, it doesn't mean though, and we're not meaning this the way that it means in like, if you study human design, uh, or if you're like a generator and we're driven by like our primary mechanism is our pleasure, is our satisfaction as sacral beings. Um, that's our decision-making process, right? Um, to make sure that we're staying in alignment. This dissatisfaction, it's like, it's an existential satisfaction. It's a soul level dissatisfaction purposefully chosen by our souls to trigger evolution, to trigger seeking, to trigger curiosity. I, how about we, we relabel maybe, or, or rename or reframe dissatisfaction as curiosity, because isn't that what it leads to? Like having a, being naturally curious, you're constantly asking questions. Why are you asking questions? Well, because I don't have the answers yet. I, we could say I'm dissatisfied with the answers that I have. So I'm going to keep asking questions. I'm going to keep being curious and I'm going to keep seeking. Not because I dislike or not because I am not in love with this moment that I'm in or this body that I'm in or this life that I'm in, I am in, I am asking questions, continuing to ask questions because I am so in love with this life that I'm in, with this moment in which I inhabit. 
this body in which I inhabit. That is why I'm asking questions. That is why I'm seeking. So I don't know if that makes sense to you, but utilizing this, if you have, if you're like me and you have a shit ton of retrogrades in, especially so many of the outer planets in your chart and this sense of dissatisfaction is kind of hitting home for you and resonating with you, perhaps it's the, it's the birth of our curiosity, right? It's the seed of our curiosity. And perhaps we can, we can find peace inside of our dissatisfaction. And I think that's what really rubs, rubs me the wrong way or what is cajoling me into continuing to talk about this ad nauseum is the presence of soul level dissatisfaction in, in planetary, you know, that embodied dissatisfaction of these, these retrogrades, it's not a lack of peace. It's not a restlessness. It is that curiosity. It's just a knowing, like a capital K knowing of like, oh, there's more to come. There's more to come. And there is, I think there's um, a sense of the word seeking that we, we attach to um, also like desperation and we attach to f- like forever ro- roaming and roving, seeking and searching answers, sweating and, and hustling and working. No, we can sit, we can be at rest, we can be at peace and simply because we have these planetary embodiments, that magnetism of seeking or that, that, that element of seeking inside of us, of dissatisfaction that resides inside of us, it magnetizes to us that which feeds our curiosity, right? All right. Try that on for size. All right, friends. Um, I hope that all of this information got somewhere. I hope that at least some of this information got somewhere. It's a lot and it's really deep. And especially with the outer planets, it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's hard to get a fine point on it. Um, especially in like one, one episode. So I hoped that at least some of this episode was satisfying to you. And, um, if this, if the subjects in this episode lead to a lot of questions for you, please reach out. Um, let me know those questions and, um, and also let me know if you'd like to be a guest on the pod. Uh, do you have an interest, an inkling of having your chart or a, an element of your chart discussed and studied and shared for the group? If you do, um, please let me know. And let's talk about you being a future guest on astrology and stuff. All right, friends. I hope you're having a good uh, multi-retrograde part of the year. You're doing great. And as always, thank you for being here. So that's it for this episode of Astrology and Stuff. You can come back each week for new episodes. And you also have a way to get weekly bonus episodes on my Patreon page. Just search Astrology and Stuff Podcast. 
bonus episodes or weekly peeks into the planetary transits where we can get into the astrology of the week and how that may be affecting you in your neck of the woods. Each episode of Astrology and Stuff is written, recorded, edited, and mixed by me, Simpriti Ireland. The music you hear is an original work by Angel Wing. And again, thank you for being here. <laughs>